Hello, world. Episode 26 of Max Sports. I'm your host, Max Mayer. I have some fun topics to share with you today. We have two quarterbacks, uh, one that is now off of the QB carousel and one that has been re-signed with their team. I break down both of their contracts in segment one today. Segment two will be about a big name running back that is hitting the trade market according to their team. I share what I think of this team moving forward, where maybe find some destinations where I could see this said running back going to. And then in segment three, I have an interesting call. Uh, well, voice message, we'll say, that I will be responding to in segment three. With all that being said, let's go. All right, now that we are into our episode today, we have two quarterbacks, one that has signed an extension with their team and one that has signed a deal with a new team. Now, if you listen to my Derek Carr episode, spoiler alert, you now know what I am now talking about. We'll be getting to both of those. A new big name running back has joined potentially uh, the trade market. I kind of break down not only who that is for those who do not know, but what this means for the team he could be leaving and some maybe destinations I see him potentially going to. With all that being said, let's get into our first segment of the day. We have two quarterbacks. We'll get into the big one that everyone heard to start today, which was Derek Carr is signing with the New Orleans Saints. He's going down to the bayou. Now, I think this is a great fit for him as the fact that I've seen clips of him doing stadium church uh, sessions where he's kind of just, you know, you know, those big like Texas and like, southern like big stadium churches apparently he's a pastor and wants to do something like that and that'd be a great fit for him down in louisiana i'm assuming i'm it's maybe i'm maybe i'm way off here but who knows um in the, on the football field though he is signing a four-year 150 million dollar contract with a no trade clause Wow, that is a big contract, but what I will say is it's very affordable. It fits right into where I assumed his contract was going to be in my Derek Carr episode before the contract really came out. I think that this is a pretty good signing for a team. I'll break down again for those who didn't listen to my episodes so you don't have to go through a whole podcast. Quick breakdown on the Derek Carr signing. What I think this is, is it is a quarterback that doesn't get them over the hump but is competitive enough to most likely be the favorite for the division next year. I think that it's a great sign where I look at New Orleans just a couple weeks ago, and I think this team has no future. They're in cap hell. Their, their veteran defense will probably be aging and expired and gone before they can really develop a quarterback. So bringing in Derek Carr makes it competitive for a few seasons. I think, again, Derek Carr walks in the NFC South as the best quarterback in that, in that division today. Look around. Carolina has Sam Darnold. Potentially they could draft a guy. I trust a veteran and Derek Carr over any rookie in this draft class. Look at Atlanta, Desmond Ritter, a third round pick and Tampa Bay, who is very similar to new Orleans with the aging veterans, but they have no quarterback as well. And on top of it, I don't think they have the resources to get one in this draft or in free agency. They have too many contracts. So with that being said, I give this, I'll say, a solid B when it comes to what I view of this. I don't think the New Orleans Saints will be Super Bowl contenders with Derek Carr. 
What I do think this will be is it'll be a fun, entertaining team that will compete for playoff spots, maybe win a wild card game, maybe make it to the divisional round. I don't think that this is a team that's going to be competing with Philly, you know, Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers stays. I don't think they're better than Minnesota. Don't think they're better than Seattle, San Fran, Detroit, Los Angeles, if if they come back healthy, the Rams. But this is a team in a weak division that they could probably eat up and probably get five or six divisional wins next year. That's halfway to to at least a wild card berth. And in a weak division like that, if you're winning five out of your six um, division games, you're you're getting a, <laughs> you're getting a home playoff game and winning the division. So I think this is a good move for New Orleans because again, the age of Derek Carr matches the age of their defense, and they were able to fit him in. With their cap structure, they have a good veteran defense. I think that they can maybe use another wide receiver weapon on offense if they move on from Michael Thomas. But other than that, I think they need to solidify their offensive line a little more, maybe add a piece here or there. Other than that, they got Chris Olave. They got Alvin Kamara. They now have a franchise quarterback. I think this is a team that you will now see in the playoff hunt next year, probably win the division. And we'll, barring injury, I think that this is a team that can be in the playoffs the next couple of years. Again, I don't think that their ceiling is Super Bowl, but I don't think that their ceiling was Super Bowl without Derek or without Derek Carr. And I don't think there was an option. Again, even if you draft a rookie, you're going to have to hit on three, four, five draft classes while your defense is aging and slowly leaving in order to rebuild around a rookie. So I think that this prolongs a deep rebuild, but keeps them competitive. And that is good enough for me. I think that is a good move for New Orleans. Another big signing in today's NFL was Geno Smith. The Seahawks quarterback signed a three-year, $105 million contract that keeps him under contract until the age of 35. Now, I view this one as a pretty cap-friendly deal as well. The fact that you got a Pro Bowl-level talent at quarterback this season at a pretty affordable price and you're keeping him at a pretty affordable price. Obviously you're giving him a good amount of money, but not that 50, $60 million contract like a Dak Prescott or a a Patrick Mahomes has, especially not what Joe Burrow and um, Jalen Hurts are going to be asking in the next couple of years. So when I look at this, I think it's a cap friendly deal. I think three years is the perfect amount of time. We'll have a, a, very stable, solid veteran that you can add young pieces around and then eventually find the successor to them. I could see Geno Smith very similar to the Alex Smith uh, when it comes to what the Kansas City Chiefs did, um, having an established, solid veteran that they then move on from once they've built in a team around him and then find the future quarterback in a couple of years. I could see maybe two years down the line, the Seahawks find a quarterback that they stash behind Geno Smith, learn behind him. And as long as he keeps playing uh, as decent as he did this year, the Seahawks aren't going to have to worry about finding a quarterback for a couple years. So both of these, I think, are good moves. I think they keep them competitive in their league. I think both of these teams are playoff contenders next year. I'm really excited to see how they're going to look next year. With uh, with all that being said, we're going to get into our next segment today. A big name running back is now available according to this NFL franchise. I will share that with you and I will share the names of where I think teams he could be traded to. 
uh, and what this means for the organization that is moving on from him after this. All right, segment two. I know I've been saying it all the time, not really sharing it. So here we are. For those who have not been paying attention, Derrick Henry, according to the Tennessee Titans, could be available for trade. They are looking at offers, and this is a huge move as Derrick Henry has been a big name for this Titans roster and the, this organization for a long time. Apparently, that is what they are doing, that they are shopping Derrick Henry. That being said, I think this is a move that is a must-have happen. Um, Derrick Henry now is a running back that is 29 years old. He still uh, he signed a four-year contract with the uh, Tennessee Titans. He only has one year left. So one year at $10 million isn't too bad when it comes to his salary next year. He will be tradable. He's not a, a player that will be cut, and he's still, despite – some people believing that there are signs of regression in his game. I think that he will most likely find a good contender to be a part of next season. There are a couple teams and names that I've heard that could be interested in his services. And I'll kind of break that down. Uh, what I think when it comes to the true value of Derrick Henry, this might shock you guys, but again, look at what San Fran got for McCaffrey. I think it was like a third and a fifth round pick. If it was even that, Pretty much a bag of balls. Derrick Henry is older than Christian McCaffrey, and I think he's less dynamic than Christian McCaffrey. While he is an elite uh, running back, I don't think he has the the dual threat of being able to catch out of the backfield or you know off of screens. He's more of a you hand off the ball and he will run forward and run over a linebacker and a safety and fall forward for eight yards. The thing that worries me about it is I don't know what system he would necessarily fit into and what team will give up the assets for him. I've heard one team name that I think is more likely than the second one I will name. One of them is the Carolina Panthers. I think this is good because I think the Carolina Panthers will probably get a rookie quarterback in this draft now that Derek Carr is off of the board. I think putting an elite weapon behind this said quarterback like Derrick Henry, where you don't have to always give the quarterback tight window pressure throws to, you know, short completions to potentially make mistakes and giving a guy like Derrick Henry on your team where he can pick up four yards easily or three yards easily on a, you know, third down play. And you don't always have to worry about putting your young quarterback in pressured situations to make mistakes. I think this is very good. And you have a very well-established veteran that for a cheap price, I'm assuming maybe a third, a fourth for Derrick Henry, one or the other, maybe a late sixth pick to throw in there. I don't know. I think doing that and getting a year, maybe you could extend Derrick Henry for a couple of years or so. I think that is a perfect scenario for a team like Carolina who wants to establish the run game. And again, now that New Orleans is taking a step up, I think if Carolina wants to be the only other team I could really see competing with them, I think getting one of those quarterbacks like a Will Levis, a CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, whatever the case is, partnering him with uh, Derrick Henry is a perfect fit in Carolina. They had a good run game without an established running back. Imagine how much more dynamic it could be with him. 
Another team name that I have seen is the Buffalo Bills. I think the biggest weakness for Buffalo right now is the fact that they don't really have a run game that can manage the clock. And that sounds stupid because they do have some talented running backs. I do like Devin Singletary. Um, But the thing that worries me is when it truly comes to the clutch moments, Josh Allen is the one that's rumbling, tumbling, stumbling for first downs instead of their running backs. And I think when it comes to truly managing the game, I think what's costed Buffalo several times in their last several playoff runs is the fact that they can get out and they can throw the ball to Diggs and they can hit Gabe Davis for big yards. But when it comes to getting the third downs to run four more minutes off the clock and end the game, end the damn game, they can't do it. They can come from behind and get a big win. They can get a big win where they just, you know, blow a team out of the water. But when it comes to a a close game, they just can't do it. And I'm talking about the elite of the elite. I'm not saying, you know, doing this against the, what, Indianapolis Colts this year. I'm saying against the elite teams, Kansas City, Cincinnati. They, they can't get over the hump. And I think a lot of people viewed Buffalo as a top-tier contender ne- or last year. People thought that they were the favorites. Some people, of course, there's always that one team that people think is going to go undefeated. I look at Buffalo, and they're a team that really needs a kick in the pants. And while I think that Derrick Henry could be a good fit on a team that is, again, aged at a similar level, there's a lot of veterans. It's an experienced team that knows how to win. I don't think that this will be the case due to the fact that it's still an AFC team. Even though the Titans might be starting a rebuild, I think that Buffalo might not get a, might not get a chance unless they overpay for him. I think he probably goes to an NFC team. I think Carolina could be a good fit as of right now. I can't really think of many other teams. Maybe the Los Angeles Rams could be another one. I just kind of popped that one in my head. Cam Akers hasn't done much in LA and his injury history. He's never really been the same since his torn Achilles. And what would be better to partner with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup than an elite run game? I think that was one of their only weaknesses on their Super Bowl team. They got runs when they needed to, but it was mainly short passes to Cooper Cup that got them first downs. Make it easier for Stafford, make it easier for Cup so he's not always getting double teamed. If you have a guy like Derrick Henry running through the tackles, that's going to be a big problem. And sometimes I think it's a two way street. I think a good O line can make a bad running back look good. But I also think a good running back like Derrick Henry can make a bad O-line look better than it truly is. Their offensive line is not great. Being able to have someone like King Henry in the backfield, one, it helps. He's a huge body. He can pass protect, which Stafford needs. He took so many hits last year. On top of it, then it also helps them where there is a run threat now. They can't always double-team Cooper Cup or whatever white receivers they use to disguise themselves as Cooper Cup. I swear they did that last year when when they had issues. They were like, what if we just put four white receivers on the field so no one knows who Cooper Cup really is out there, and then we'll throw to him. (laughs) But at the end of the day, getting Cup opportunities, getting some pressure off of Stafford, and establishing a run game could be a huge, huge move for the Rams, and we know how they value draft picks. They pretty much burn them and trade them immediately. So that could be an option I see as well. I'll put it in the poll question today. Out of those three teams, those are the ones I'm seeing right now. Or actually, I'll do it as our uh, comment section. Where do you see Derrick Henry going if he gets traded? 
finally, when it comes to it, what does this mean for the Tennessee Titans? I think that this is a long-needed rebuild. The last several years, we have seen the Tennessee Titans make the postseason, but they haven't really gotten over the hump. It's been, what, four years now since we've seen them challenge the the what was it, the, the Chiefs. Sorry, I'm blanking on it now. They, they've been challenging the Kansas City Chiefs when Derrick Henry had his crazy year and they benched Marcus Mariota for Ryan Tannehill. After that year, though, they gave Ryan Tannehill a very big extension and a guy that is now older, is not really viewed as an elite talent at the quarterback position anymore, and on top of it, is now being injury prone. He was injury prone earlier in his career. He came back last couple of years. He's been okay, but this year he is now injury prone again, missed several games this season. I'm really worried about the Tennessee Titans. I think that they have a lot of decent veterans, but you already saw it earlier in the season, like when I covered them, uh, letting go of Robert Woods and Taylor Lewan. Robert Woods was their leading receiver with only 527 yards receiving and two touchdowns. That's like a third option on most contenders. Derrick Henry missed a couple games this year with injury. Some people view him again as someone that could be regressing. I still see him as one of the at least top six running backs in the NFL. And then you have Ryan Tannehill, who I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from next year. I think you need to see what's happening with Malik Willis, whether he's a guy that you truly view as a franchise changer or not. And I think you need to give him the reins next year if you want to truly invest in him in the future. So with that being said, I think this is a good move for Tennessee. Get whatever uh, capital you can from one of your better players. While it is bittersweet to, you know, you get the capital, you get to start the rebuild, you are saying goodbye to one of the most famous players that has played for a ten- for the Tennessee Titans. I know they had Chris Johnson, who is, hate me all you want. Chris Johnson was running back in the 2020 10s. He had one 2,000-yard season. Other than that, he was a pretty mediocre running back. I I know some people love defending the dude, but outside of his one big 2,000-yard season, he was kind of a pain in the you-know-what, and he was never really an elite running back. Um, I think he Derrick Henry's the best running back they've ever had, and it's probably the best player that they've had in the last five, six, seven years. And honestly, if Derrick Henry's off that team, I'd kind of forget who Tennessee is as a team. I think that they have a big identity crisis because they will be moving away from their run-based attack, and maybe they could find a new running back to partner with their mobile quarterback, Malik Willis. The biggest thing that worries me about the Titans moving forward is very rarely do teams have a window of winning, having that end, and not moving on from their staff. They fired their GM already, and while I like Mike Vabrell, even though I couldn't pronounce his name in previous episodes— The one thing that worries me about it is I think he is a very good coach, but is he willing to be a part of a new rebuild? Very rarely do teams have, again, high success and, you know, have to fall apart and do a rebuild. You saw it in Seattle. I was afraid Pete Carroll was going to be gone next year or this at the end of this year. They were going to suck and they were going to go find a young replacement for him. Not very often do teams keep the same coach, but rebuild around them. So I hope that that happens because I do like Mike Vabrell. I think he's a very good coach and I would like to see what he can do truly making the Titans offense, his identity. You know, he came in and inherited Derrick Henry. He came in and inherited Marcus Mariota. I want to see what he can do on his own. What quarterbacks does he want to go for? What receivers, what weapons does he want to go for? Cause right now it's a pretty blank canvas and he doesn't have much to to work with. So I think Tennessee could be a really interesting team and maybe with the top 11 pick in the draft, 
Maybe they go receiver. Maybe they go quarterback. We don't really know right now, but I'm really excited to see what will happen with this team as it finds its new identity and its next era of football. All right, everybody. Segment three today will be a fan mail, I guess. It's the first one that I've been able to do. I can't wait to do it more. The more friends and uh, supporters we have that would like their questions answered by someone who knows everything about the game of football. We have John T available for us today. He is going to be sharing his message and then I will be reacting to it. Here we go. Hi, my name is John T. I'm uh, from Portage, Michigan. Wondering if you can talk about the AFC West and what team needs to do what move to make them rise above the rest. Thanks. Well, thank you, John T. Thanks for coming on into the show. Um, Fun fact is I'm actually from Portage as well. Small world, you know. But with that, we will get into his question, which is the AFC West. What teams need to do what to get over the top? Now, this is actually one of the most competitive divisions in all of football. We have the Vegas Raiders. We have the Los Angeles Chargers or Chokers, depending on, you know, if it's playoff season or not. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. That was, I think, what Broncos do or me. Who knows? But I will be breaking down what these teams need to do because the perfect thing with it is we have the Kansas City Chiefs here. They are the staple of the NFL. They are champions once again in the NFL. So we really have three teams that we're going to be talking about that need to do certain things to get over the top. I will be addressing those one at a time and then give you my take on who has the best chance to get over it. To start things off, I think there are three main factors that truly help a team get to Super Bowl contending. Coach, quarterback, and GM. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Amazing GM. Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame quarterback. I think you need at least two of those three in order to get in a situation where you can start competing for championships. I think when there are questions, at least at two or more of those, that is when I start to pause and wonder what is truly the case for these teams when it comes to winning Super Bowls, or at least competing for them. We will start with the Raiders. So let's break down my three steps here. To start things off, the Raiders. They just moved on from the franchise quarterback, Derek Carr. And as of this recording, as of today, they do not really have a starter. So right there, that is an X. Second to start things off, they have Josh McDaniels as their coach. He, You could say he was decent this year. But I think one of the most concerning things is that in his previous stint as a head coach for the Denver Broncos, he pretty much pushed away a veteran quarterback and isolated players on the team and eventually got fired from the Denver Broncos and had to crawl back to uh, Papa Belichick and learn again on how to become a head coach before he got his new role here in Vegas. What worries me about McDaniels is it's very similar. It's weird. With how many times people have tried to copy the Patriots, it's amazing how similar almost all of these assistants are. You hear things about the assistants from New England that were under the Belichick tree, and they're very similar every time. 
Perfect example. I deal, dealt with it when we had Matt Patricia, the poncho, pencil in the ear, bushy beard buffoon running my Detroit Lions. Isolated players. Talked like he knew more than everyone else. Showed up late to his own meetings, then critiqued the posture of other people. Despite looking like a guy who's a middle school PE teacher. So, we already heard that one. Joe Judge, the, I'm t- I'm a tough New Yorker guy, eh? Like, he saw, like, one Bill Burskit and was like, yeah, that's that's what I need to be to be a coach. Perfect example again. And then when it comes out, like in my episode where I recently talked about every franchise being critiqued, the biggest critique for the Raiders was the fact that their coach held them overtime when it came to their practices, yet they were the only team to not make the postseason, which means it seems like their time was being wasted. On top of that, it felt like they were being listened to, according to players, felt like they were not being listened to by the coaching staff and head coach. That is not how you get above it. And due to the fact that Josh McDaniels has yet to prove himself as a head coach in the NFL and make the playoffs and truly go on a big run, I go X with the coach. That being said, we don't even need to address GM because as of right now, those are two X's. This isn't baseball. Two X's, you're out. You have to have at least two of them in my book in order to get into contention. The Chiefs, again, like I said, have all three. We'll go on to our next one, though. That is the Denver Broncos. So let's go through them all. We have a potential check in Russell Wilson. Now, he had a very down year. Could be injury. Could just be a new system. Could be terrible coaching. That was the issue this year. But they do have a good, if not elite, head coach in Sean Payton that has joined the staff. Now, this is a great hire for the Denver Broncos. I think this is a kind of coach that you need if you want to be a contender. And if he is able to pull Russell Wilson out of it and you have an elite, all even not even all pro, just pro bull Russell Wilson with a elite mind in, in Sean Payton, I think you have two, two checks right there. That is a team that could be competing for a, a spot in the, in the postseason. It is going to be difficult, though, knowing that they have Kansas City twice next year, they have Vegas twice next year, and they have Los Angeles twice next year. Chargers, I mean, or Chokers, like I said before. But when I look at the Broncos, I see a team that has a a coach that's won a Super Bowl, a quarterback that has won a Super Bowl. And again, we checked off two of those. You could talk about the GM. Well, unfortunately, I don't follow Denver News very much. He's been able to acquire talent, such as trading for Russell Wilson or acquiring Sean Payton, even though you had to give up draft capital for it. Obviously, they have a GM and management that cares enough about winning where it is a priority where they have acquired talent over the last several years. I think the Denver Broncos are closer than the Vegas Raiders. Again, we'll have to see how Sean Payton does in a new location, but I think that this is a good trending up team towards contending in the AFC West. My final one is the Los Angeles Chokers, Chargers. I I forget how that team's called. I still think they're from San Diego sometimes. What do I know? But that being said, I look at the Chokers as a team that blew it in the playoffs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that this is a team that is very underperforming. They have an elite star in Justin Herbert. They have one of the best running backs in the league in Austin Eckler. I think 
one of their weaknesses, though, that people don't want to admit is their wide receivers. While they do have Mike Williams, he's very injury prone. And then I look at a another receiver like Keenan Allen. I think he's past his prime. It's not 2015 anymore. I have a beard now, and I look like I went from 16 to 24. So, you know what? I'm not a kid anymore, and neither is Keenan Allen when it comes to being elite. The main thing with it, though, is they need to find more weapons for Justin Herbert. And again, their defense needs to not blow entire games. It's it's ridiculous how bad that was. I think this is a team that, even though they made the playoffs, has underperformed in their times with Justin Herbert as a starter. Their head coach, Brandon Staley, while they do have maybe a check mark at quarterback with Justin Herbert, even though he's not proven in the postseason, he's elite. He still played decent, and he's still a Pro Bowl-level quarterback in a tough AFC conference full of elite quarterbacks. Brandon Staley brings me some concern. He's a defensive-minded coach who uses analytics, but sometimes those analytics tell him to do bonehead plays that he really shouldn't be doing when it comes to his offense. And I don't think he's ever really gotten it since he's a defensive mind. I don't think he's ever really gotten an offense offensive head coach or mind to really help run that unit where it's running at its best. I think the Los Angeles chargers are almost like a less sexy Dallas Cowboys. Every year people think of the Dallas Cowboys as like, Oh, that team. Look at the team on paper. Oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. A lot of people thought that with the Chargers, and a lot of people were picking the Chargers to be ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs when it came to this year. They said, oh, Mahomes lost Tyree Kill. Justin Herbert's going to establish himself as the face of the AFC West. Well, he established himself as blowing the biggest game, uh, <laughs> or the blowing the biggest lead in the wildcard history. It is classic Chargers. It's not if, it's when they're going to blow it. And unfortunately, I think management and coaching are both X's on this one. While they have been able to find some gems and have been able to acquire talent, I think the biggest miss is coaching. While Brandon Staley is a decent coach, I think his overuse of analytics and not really breaking through what's a decent situation to be calling certain plays. And on top of it, the same fact that he is a uh, a defensive coach that I don't think knows how to manage a game on the offensive end. The problem with that is, is he now has to find an offensive mind to do that for him. And when you're a defensive-minded coach trying to manage a game clock, you need that offensive mind. And when you have that offensive mind, if they are elite, they are going to get their own head coaching job. Everyone wants an offensive coordinator to become their next head coach. So when you have a defensive-minded head coach, your, your offensive guru is being taken from you every three years. It's a fact. So I'm worried about Ve- – or not Vegas – chargers when it comes to being able to manage the clock win win crucial games and truly establish themselves as a power in that con in that conference and in that division they haven't been able to do either in the time that justin herbert and brandon staley have been there they've been a solid team but they haven't been elite they don't they they don't exceed expectations they barely met them they snuck into the playoffs and they lost in the first round and just boneheaded decisions. If we want to get into the Chargers, this is the team that on the final week of the regular season started everyone and lost Joey Bosa, arguably a top five pass rusher in the league. 
and lost Mike Williams, their best deep threat receiver, to injury because even though they had the postseason locked up, they decided to start everyone anyway. And then, despite starting everyone, they lost. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about with Brandon Staley where I don't necessarily believe in him. So that being said, John T., after looking through this whole division, the AFC West, I look at the Denver Broncos as the team most likely to do so. The reason why, uh, what I mean by that is compete. Get over the hump, and that means Kansas City. Why I think that is the fact is Denver can't fail. They have invested too much in Sean Payton, in, in Russell Wilson. They can't fail. Failure is not an option. If they fail, heads are going to be rolling. Reputations, Sean Payton's legacy, Russell Wilson's legacy, it's all going to go down the toilet and get clogged. And there's not a plunger big enough to get them out of the crap that they could be causing if they don't succeed. I think Denver is a team that has all the stuff. They have management that will go use the trade deadline to try and acquire talent, have an elite coach that has won a Super Bowl before, and a quarterback that has hoisted a Lombardi trophy as well and been to two Super Bowls. This is a team that I think needs to get over the top, and I don't think failure is an option anymore. That is why I believe your Denver Broncos are going to be the team that has the best chance to overthrow the Chiefs and, you know, get over the hump. With all that being said, I thank you, John T., for reaching out to me. If you would like to have a segment based on a question that you have, whether it's a team that you want me to break down in free agency, maybe a player, maybe a trade rumor, maybe a contract, maybe you're a Giants fan and you're wondering, do we really want to pay Daniel Jones all of the money? Or maybe you're a fan that's saying, yeah, Vanilla Vic is our guy. Why aren't we signing him to more than just a franchise tag? Use the voice messages like our friend John T. here did today. I'd be more than happy to make a segment similar to this using the comment section, Q&As, polls. Bottom line, I'm more excited than ever to interact with an audience, so please feel free to do so. I'd be more than happy to. With all that being said, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening as always. See you tomorrow.